Yeshua. Yeshua. Hein? All right, well, I think we all learned something new already tonight. Uh, Jesus invented the table, so uh, my work is done here, and I can just invite the band back out. <laughs> Uh, I can be everyone's favorite with the shortest sermon. I'm just kidding. Uh, I'm really excited, though, to get to be here to keep talking a little bit more, maybe a lot bit more, about this Monday, Thursday. My name is Carrie, and I'm the student ministry coordinator here at Hope. And I am so excited to get to be with you here tonight as we talk about this Holy Week. This Holy Week is this awesome time where we start to get a little bit more intimate, a little bit more personal with this life, death, and resurrection story of Jesus Christ. And so uh, behind me of the clip that we just watched, I do have to say that it's probably not the most biblical, the most historical uh, part of that movie, but it does come from a really great movie called The Passion of Jesus Christ. And it's this awesome movie that walks you through the death of Jesus, of the Good Friday story. And this clip comes from, he has this flashback. He's already been arrested and he's standing in the middle of the court. And he has this flashback of this sweet little moment with his mother Mary. And they put this in the film because what they wanted to do was to remind you of the humanity of Jesus. Because Jesus was a person, he was part of a community, that he built things, that he laughed, that he had emotions, that he had a mom. And I think during this Holy Week, as we start to really dial in on these really big stories, it's important for us to understand that the humanity of Jesus so often for me, it can be easy when I'm reading uh, my Bible, uh, I can start to put a lot of distance between me and this good news. It can start to really feel like, oh, well, there's like, it was happened so long ago, or it happened so far away, or, you know, it's like so miraculous, like, how does that really affect me? And all of a sudden, I've put this really big distance between me and the good news, and I start to feel a lot like this as I'm reading through Scripture, because I can't really understand where is it trying to take me or what am I supposed to try to get from it. And I start to feel like I'm wandering out in this desert wilderness, not really sure where I'm going. Maybe you've experienced this before while trying to read scripture. Or maybe you experience it right now during Holy Week that, that we come and we hear these stories, but maybe we're just here to hear something. That we're just here because it's a tradition, it's, it's the holiday, so I'm supposed to come Thursday, Friday, Sunday, Saturday if you do. Um, or maybe it's... Um, 
you're just like stuck in this rut. And so maybe we're coming here today and we're we're just stuck in this rut of feeling like we're not moving anywhere in our life. Or maybe we're coming and we feel like we're we're going all over the place and we just keep moving and we're really exhausted of where we're going in life. And so what I want to invite you here today is that these stories are much more than just something to hear. That in fact, these stories that Jesus has for us is something to experience. Because when we experience the word of God, because it is living and breathing word of God, that it moves us. When we let the Holy Spirit come into our lives, it is living and it's breathing and it'll move us in the only direction that it knows, which is Jesus Christ. And so it takes us from this wandering place and it moves us and it takes away this distance that we might feel and we come to be with Jesus Christ. And so I hope that you are here today, that you are taking part in this Holy Week with this mindset and with this heart set that you are excited to not just hear something, but to experience something. Are you ready? Let's go. So Laura, she said the scene for us uh, so well, she, she opened up with the story um, about the Last Supper, which is where we find ourselves here on this Monday, Thursday. Jesus, he's gathered around, he's taken his 12 disciples, and he's sitting down and he's eating a meal. But I want to back up just a little bit uh, to get into this context to, to how did we get here. And so we're going to back up even before Palm Sunday, uh, and it happens in Luke chapter 18. So Jesus, right, we're going to go way back of, of what was Jesus, what was his life? Jesus was a man who he was out to just tell the word of God. He was out to share the good news. He was out to tell about who he is and why does it matter. And he had these 12 disciples who would follow him around because he needed them to know. He wanted them to learn and to go out and continue to share this news. And so it's in Luke chapter 18. He just gets done and it says, for the third time, for the third time, Jesus is telling his disciples of who he is and why it matters. He, in fact, he goes through the entire, he foretells the entire Holy Week. He says, we're gonna go to Jerusalem and we're gonna do this and then I'm gonna die for three days and then I'm gonna rise again. And he says all of this and at the very end of that passage, it says, the disciples did not understand any of this. The 12 of his most closest followers, the people who ate meals with him, who breathed along right alongside him and saw his miracles, they couldn't even understand what Jesus was trying to tell them. And so if that's ever been part of your gap too, of trying to feel like, well, I'm here and Jesus is here and I just don't understand, I want to invite you to hold on to that and see what Jesus does with that. Because he doesn't leave you hanging, because he doesn't leave his 12 disciples hanging in this unknown either. And so we're back here and we're chapter 18 and and they get done, it's before Palm Sunday, and so he takes them and they keep walking alongside him in this life because he's like, it's okay, it's going to catch on one of these days. And so they're walking and they get to Jerusalem, it's Palm Sunday, and they're still walking beside him. And it's been Monday and it's been Tuesday and it's been Wednesday and he's been teaching in the temple still his good word and who I am and why does this matter? And it comes to Thursday and he's like, you still, I'm not sure they still quite get it. But I need to do something where they're gonna understand this and I need to do something where they're gonna remember that I am good news, that I am life, that I am new life for them and I need people for generations and generations to come so people like us here in this room today know this good news. And so what does he do with that? N.T. Wright, he's a modern theologian of today, he put it like this, he said he didn't give them a theory. He gave them a meal. Because Jesus, you see, God, he's a relational person. He wants to sit down, he wants to get close to us, he wants to be familiar with us and sit at a table and say, here, look, this is what I have for you. Do you see it? I want you to take it. Because he is a relational person. And I also don't think it's any accident that God's greatest commandment for us and his, his most beautiful act of love, it comes, it comes sitting around a table. Have you ever thought about all the places that Jesus and his disciples have wandered? 
They wandered a lot of places. They, they were on the beaches. They were on fishing boats. They were in the wilderness. They were in gardens. They were right down in the city where, where everyone could have heard this news. But Jesus, no, he wanted to put it sitting around a table. And in fact, he wanted to get so personal that it was in this upper room. When he, they were preparing for this meal, they had the disciples came to him and they said, Jesus, where do you want to have this meal? And he said, go to this town, talk to this person, and it'll be waiting for you. And so his disciples, they went to this town, they talked to this person, and this room was just waiting for them, ready for them to come and sit at. Because Jesus is a relational person. And I also think it's not a coincidence for the fact that tables, they transcend all generations and all cultures. That this is a something that we're still here today. Remember that gap that we have that, oh, it happened so long ago and so far away and I can't really relate to that. I think we all can relate to the table. I'm in fact 100% confident that every single person here in this room today has at least one memory of sitting around a table. And some of that confidence comes from my own because this past week as I was working on this, I um, was filtering through my phone. And, and on an iPhone, you can go through your photos and you can, did you know this? You can search for like what's in your photo. Like if you wanted to see how many pictures of the sun do you have, you can type sun and it'll show you all the pictures with the sun. And so I was like, table. And I had 664 photos that came up with a table that I had wanted to remember that good memory. Because tables bring us to a really good memory sometimes with some of our closest friends and family. And so tonight, as you are here to not just hear the word of God, but to experience the word of God, I want you to put yourself in one of those good memories of sitting around a table, to remember what it looked like, to remember what it felt like, because that is what we're doing here tonight in this room, that we are gathering at the Lord's table to, at a place that feels good. And when I think of a really good memory that I have sitting around a table, it looks a lot like this. Uh, this is a picture of me and my brother uh, when we were, you know, just a couple years younger. Um, and we're at my grandparents' house. And we're sitting at this little table that, in fact, I brought it here today just to show you how cute it is. Um, this is my childhood right there. Um, we were sitting at this table, and we spent a lot of time at Grandma and Grandpa's house at this table. It was where we would eat breakfast, we would, take, we would eat snacks, we would do crafts with Grandma. And because Grandpa, he made this table for us. And he made it for us and he made it to like fit our size and everything. And so when I think about why this memory is so good for me, it's because it's a reminder that it was this physical reminder always that I always had a place at grandma's house. And it wasn't just like this place that I was like gonna take up some space at, but it was this place that was prepared for me. It was waiting for me. I knew that when I showed up to it, one, I'd be fed, but two, that grandma never seemed to have something too pressing going on in her day that she couldn't just sit and spend time with us at that table. Because you know, at age two and at age three, I had some really important things to inform my grandmother on. Uh, but she made you feel like you were the most important person in the world at that time when you would just come and sit at the table with her. A table can be one of the most relational spaces of our lives. But sometimes tables can also be one of the most uninvitational spaces in our lives too. Because you see this chair is really invitational when it's open and it's waiting there for you, but what if it's not? What if the table's full? Or it's really invitational when I know there's someone really excited to sit down and sit with me, but what if there's glares that come across the table? It can start to be a really hurtful place for us to go. Maybe you've experienced some of that too before. Maybe it's at the lunchroom table that you're just trying to find somewhere to sit down and have lunch, but you're getting the looks and everywhere's full and you're not really sure where to go. And maybe it's at a boardroom table 
Maybe it's you have the seat at the table, but everyone else is giving you looks like, I don't really know if you should have a seat at this table. I don't really know if you should be sharing those ideas that you have. Maybe it's at your in-laws, at your holiday family dinners, you don't really feel like you're invited or that you're really welcomed in that space. And it could also maybe be at your own family dinner table. It's just like you're not really sure if your presence is always welcome, that your ideas are always wanted in that space. And so what do we do for that? We hide ourselves away. We can go to the next slide, maybe. Awesome. Uh, and so what do we do when we have this uninvitational to us? We start to walk away from it. You know what, instead of like even going into the lunchroom, I'm just gonna find somewhere else to go. I'm just gonna avoid it. You know, instead of going to that meeting, I'm just gonna schedule something else on top of that or just work from my desk right now because I don't wanna go to that space. Because there's this possibility of being uninvited. And did you know that humans' deepest fear is the fear, one of our deepest fears is the fear of rejection. And so of course we're gonna try to avoid that feeling, right? Because that, under that fear of rejection, why we're so scared of that is because under that fear is an even deeper fear that we are unlovable, that we are unworthy, and that we're always gonna be alone in life. And so because we're humans and we have such great ideas and we can, you know, just save ourselves, the idea that we come up with is we're just gonna avoid that because it's better for me to be alone than to have to face being unloved. We're just gonna not go to that space today because I don't wanna feel rejected. I don't wanna have to worry about am I worthy today or not. So we're just gonna live alone. And what I want us to look at is we are not the first people to think that what Jesus had to say was really confusing, but we also aren't the first people to come up with the idea of we'll just avoid something in case we get rejected. As our story continues tonight and Monday, Thursday, they're sitting around this table, they're having a dinner, they're eating a meal, and in the middle of it, Jesus gets up and he says, I'm gonna wash your feet now. Now washing of the feet is a whole sermon in and of itself, and so we are not gonna go too far down to this, but it is really important that we understand what's happening here when Jesus says, I'm gonna wash your feet. The first thing that we need to know is to understand when Jesus starts washing the feet. You see, it's in the middle of this dinner that Jesus stands up and he's like, and now I'm gonna wash your feet. Because you see, normally the foot washing would have happened the minute you came into the door. Because you needed to be clean to come to that table. But you see, at Jesus' table, you, he just wants you to come on in as you are. We'll get to the other stuff later. He just wants to make sure that you're at the table. And the second thing that's important to understand about Jesus' foot washing is the fact that he did it himself. Being the foot washer was the most lowly, dirty job that you could have. You were sitting at the feet of someone, you were touching their sweat and their dirt, and most often it was done by the servant woman of the household. But status and gender didn't scare Jesus. He said, that's not what I'm here about, that's not what I'm for, so I'm gonna wash your feet. And so as he's gathered at this table, he goes around into each of his disciples. Now, if you think your feet smell bad at the end of the day in your socks and tennis shoes, imagine what these disciples' feet feel like as they're wearing maybe sandals, but maybe not, walking in the dirt and it's sweaty and it's hot. Who knows the last time that they washed their feet, honestly. And so they're here at this table and Jesus comes around and he's washing them. And he comes to his disciple, Peter. And it reads like this. He poured water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? 
Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I am doing, but later you will understand. You see, there's still confusion happening, but it's okay, Jesus sticks with us. He said, no, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. You shall never wash my feet, Peter says. Peter knows the daily grind of his life. He knows that he's been walking in a lot of dirt and a lot of sweat and a lot of sand. He knows he's dirty. No way, Jesus, am I gonna let you see that part of me? Let alone, no way, Jesus, do I want you, my teacher, to have to care for me in that way. No, Jesus, you shall never wash my feet. And so Peter, he's, he's, has this avoidance, he has this rejection to this possibility of love coming his way. But there's that fear, right, that what, what if he sees my mess and he starts to judge me and think of me differently? What if he thinks I'm too dirty to be at this table? What if he thinks like, whoa, Peter, when was the last time you washed your feet? What if? So we're just gonna avoid that possibility of being unlovable. And we're just gonna say, no, you shall never. And so Peter, he's denying this physical act of service coming from Jesus, but I want us to take that a, that a step deeper tonight, and I want us to think about the dirt of our daily grind of life that we start to build up on our feet or within ourselves, of the, of the dirt and the hurt that is building up in our lives, that it makes us feel uncomfortable, that it makes us feel secretive, that it makes us feel like they shall never have to know about this. Maybe we're dealing with some really bad hurt in a relationship that's going on right now or in the past. Maybe we're up against this really hard addiction and we just can't seem to break it. Maybe we have some really bad habits and bad lies that are going on our heads. And we have this feeling that we're just gonna keep that under our robe so no one has to see it and no one has to care for it, especially our Lord and our Savior, Jesus. And we say, no, Jesus, you shall never see this part of me. No, Jesus, you shall never restore this relationship. You shall never heal me of this disease or this addiction because it's too much. Because instead, I'd just rather be alone in this. But you see, Peter's story didn't end in the shall nevers. And I want us to see that tonight, that we are here to hear God's word and to experience God's words. So you are here to experience that your shall never is not over yet either. Because Peter's story goes on. And what happens is Jesus, he washes him. He washes his feet. He cleanses him. And you know what happens after that? It says Jesus continues to commune with his disciples. He continues to sit at the table and eat with them and teach and to love them. There is no judgment. There, there is no comments. There is no, not, not next time, Peter. You can't come back. It's, it's, I'm really glad you're more comfortable to be here now. It's, I'm still really glad that you're here. I want to keep spending some good time with you. And when Jesus, he washes Peter's feet, he says this, I need to do this, Peter, so you can have a share with me. What does it mean to have a share with Jesus? It says it really well in Romans 6, 5. That's actually a typo. Um, but it says this, for if we have been united with him in a death like his, we will certainly also be united with him in a resurrection like his. You see, today we're in Monday, Thursday, right? And we're talking about some life that Jesus brings us. So if we unite today in the life that Jesus has, we say, yeah, Jesus, we're on this daily grind, but we want you, we accept you and need you to come into our life today. We unite with you today. 
And then we come back again tomorrow and we unite in the death that Jesus has. We said, yeah, Jesus, this walk of life gets dirty and it gets hard sometimes. We trust that you're gonna do something with this and I'm gonna follow you wherever that takes. That means we come back on Sunday morning then we unite in the resurrection like his because that means that not even that addiction, not even that hurt relationship, not even that habit gets to have a hold on us because we are now united with the one who not even death can hold us down. This is the invitation that Jesus says, I want to give this to you. I need you and want you to have a share with me so nothing can hold you down. And the thing that I really want us to see with this was was this great act of love, right, that he washes Peter's feet. But what we first have to do is we have to go back to where it all began, which was with the invitation to just come and be at the table that this love couldn't have happened to him unless he had come and just accepted the invitation that Jesus had given him. And yes, Peter had to come, but it started even before Peter because it's not about us, it's about Jesus because Jesus makes the table and he invites us into it. And you see what happens when Jesus invites us? He he has a seat waiting for us. There is an invitation for us to accept. He removes the fear of rejection. Because no longer are we timid about, I don't know if, if I, today or am I not going to have a space at the table. No, you confidently walk up and you say, I have a table today with Jesus. And when you get to not have to face the fear of rejection, that also means you never have to face that fear of being unworthy or being unloved or having to be alone. Because Jesus instead fills that up and he says, you are loved forever. You are so worthy and you will never be alone because your father is with you today and forevermore. This is the good news that Jesus has for his 12 disciples, for that generation to come, and for the continuing generations for us here today, that you have a seat at my table just as you are. And it's at the end of this whole story, right? There's a lot going on in Monday, Thursday. There's a lot of love coming our way. And so we've ate a meal, and we've been cleansed, and, and we've had good conversation. And it comes to the very end of it. And he says, do you see all of this love that I have for you? Have you experienced it yet? Do you get it? And it ends in this. It says, he gives them this new commandment. And he says, love as I have loved you. Do you see the love that I have for you? That there is always an invitation for you to come? Do you see because of that invitation you never have to feel unworthy or you never have to be unloved? Do you see that I get down in really uncomfortable positions and really dirty spaces? But to make sure that you're okay and to make sure that you're comfortable. He says, this is the kind of love that I have for you and now I need you to give it to others. And this is where we get just a little teaching tip here about the Maundy Thursday is this is where it comes from. Is that today on Monday, Thursday of this Holy Week, we are celebrating not only the love that we have been given, but our ability to give it away. Because Maundy, it comes from this Latin word called mandatum. And mandatum, it means command. And so today on this Thursday, Jesus gave us the greatest commandment that we could give is to see the love that I have for you, receive it, accept it, and know it. Because that comes first, right? He says, love as I have loved you. He says, I need you first. You have to understand it and you have to have it. Because then you're filled up. Fill up with my love. And then 
you can go on and give it to others. Another way that I really like to read this command is this. It says, invite as I have invited you. Because you see what happens, remember, with that invitation that we have to the table, when we invite as we have been invited, we get to take the fear of rejection away from someone. We get to take away someone's greatest fear. We get to remind that person that they are loved, that they're welcome, that they're cherished in a space. Who are you inviting to your table? And specifically, who are you inviting just to your kitchen table? Because Jesus said, this is it. Love as I have loved you, I shared in a meal with you. Share in a meal with someone. Sit face to face with someone and really get to know them. In their busy, hectic week, call them in and say, hey, I know you're really busy in this busy world, but just so you know, I see you. Call them in and say, hey, I know you're really, really busy this week, but I wanna make sure that you are full of a good meal so you can keep moving and grooving like you've been called to do. Because this is the love that I've been given and I wanna give it to you. And I want us to think about what it would look like if we all would truly take, take this in and invite others as we have been invited. Take a look at what that might just look like. gather and we sit around the Lord's table? I have. And it looks a lot like that video that's behind me. 
Because one, it shows up in the midst of our everyday life, right where we are. Because remember that foot washing that happened, that they're already gathered around the table, that it didn't have to happen before anything, that it happened after. That Jesus' biggest concern with each and every one of us here in this room, that he is that we come and just be in his presence. And that video, right, it's like, there's never, the table's never gonna run out. We're just gonna keep adding and we're just gonna keep growing. And there's never gonna run out of chairs for you because in fact, there was a chair already made for you. There's never gonna run out of room. And I think that little girl at the end is the absolute image of what God is calling us into when he says, invite as I have invited you. Because that little girl, she knew she had her seat at the table. She knew that she had a meal ready for her but someone was missing. And so she runs and she goes down the hallway because she knows that person is missing. Who's maybe missing at your table today? What hallway are we supposed to run down and say, hey, 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 I have this awesome seat and you're invited too. We have this vision here at Hope that it ends with to uh, make heaven more crowded. It says revive, with, revive the world with God's love and make heaven more crowded. Where does that come from, why? It's because it's what we're called in to do. It's what we're called to be. It says this in John 6, it says, for the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. That this type of love is for you. It is absolutely for you. And it's for your neighbor and it's for their children and it's for their children to come. It is for the entire world that we are called to share this love into. And you know, remember Jesus, right? He's like, I gotta make sure these people know this. I gotta make sure they have a way to remember this love that's gonna transcend, continue to transcend through all these, this complication of the world. And so what he does is he gathers them around a table and he has some bread and he picks it up and he breaks it and he gives it to them. He says, take it. Take this, eat it, and remember me. Do this in remembrance of me. So every time when you eat this bread, you remember that I get down into dirty places, to remember that I invite you to my table, to remember that you are so, so loved, so you can be filled up and go and give it to someone else. And again, he picks up the wine and he says, take this, take it again, because I don't want you to forget how good my love is. I don't want you to forget that your sins are forgiven and you are set free, so please take this and remember me. Remember that you are set free to invite someone else into that. I was listening uh, to this song this week called Communion. Uh, it's written by Maverick City, and it's talking about what happens when we come to the table, and it says, here's where the dead things come back to living. I feel my heart beating again. Remember at the beginning, we talked about being in some ruts of our lives. Or maybe we're exhausted and we're just out of breath because we're trying to run in every which way. Tonight, at this Monday Thursday, at this Lord's table, I want to invite you, the invitation that's already been given to you by our Lord Jesus Christ, and invite you to take it and to come be in the presence of God. Because in the wine and in the bread is the presence of God. And when we are in the presence of God, no longer are we wandering in the wilderness, for God is with us.
And where God is, it cannot be an empty thing. In fact, it is an overflowing thing. And the thing that God is, is he is life. He is the bread of life and he is the breath of life. And I invite each and every one of you today to come and receive that breath. That the only way it knows to run is to Jesus. And so in a messy, crazy world where we don't exactly know where we're going, tonight you can run to Jesus. Run to the life that is offered freely to you. Come, taste and see that the Lord is so, so good. Amen.